One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, the podcast that builds biographical bridges between you and our guests using the power of musical memories. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest today is Dan Philgreen. Dan studied film production in college and has been working in that field all his life. He has lived in eight states and traveled to 34 countries doing production work. He spent six years as a college professor teaching video production before coming to Fort Myers to work at Shell Point Retirement Community to work on their daily half-hour in-house TV show, Shell Point Today, as a producer, writer, cameraman, editor, and on-camera host. After 13 years doing that, he recently became the technical arts manager, which means he'll be responsible for the audio, lighting, video, and other technical aspects in the new 42,000-square-foot Tribby Arts Center, which will feature a 450-seat theater. Dan has private pilot and commercial drone pilot licenses. He rides motorcycles, has a 26-foot sailboat, is scuba certified, and recently got a ham radio license. He started playing guitar in the seventh grade and has continued ever since. He's a charter member of the Americana Community Music Association in Fort Myers. He's a singer-songwriter and has recorded dozens of his original songs. He's gigged around Fort Myers sporadically over the last 10 years, including a couple of seasons as half of the 70s duo Wind Horse. He and his wife have been married for 37 years, have two grown children, two grandkids. Dan wound up here thanks to Robert Bidney's recommendation just a few episodes back. So here we go. Hey there, Dan. How you doing? I'm doing good, Mike. Good to be here. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, man. My pleasure. Why Goldilocks? You know, I had a, uh, I had a boat that was too little. Now, at first, I had a boat that was too big. And there's a good reason why it's too big, but I won't go into it. And then I had a boat that was too little. And then I found that one, one that was just right. And my wife was a, was a blonde most of her life. My daughter, my granddaughter, all toeheads. So you know, it just kind of worked on a lot of levels. That was just such a lucid answer for such a random question. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I get asked that, you know, so I've answered before. So do, you, I, do you adhere to the two, the two best days of your life boat question? No, I really don't, because okay. I've been having a blast with the things. Oh, good. So, yeah. <laughs> so I have to tell a quick story before we get started. So I was dropping my daughter off at a friend's house on Saturday, and their son is going to be a, a future guest on this show. He's uh-huh. a high school student. Right going to be our first high school student. And I was explaining to them how he has to recommend three people at the end. Right. And the husband goes, does your show have a multi-level marketing component? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it did occur to me, you've had almost 150 guests and three, I'm thinking, that's like a lot of people. And then you're going diamond here. The reason we do that is to get people to share the show. And you did it, or Robert Bidney did a great job of Uh that. And you engaged with him and you made an Amway joke. Yeah. So I thought, you have to be our guest soon. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Which is an example of how we book this show. It's sort of like happenstance meets serendipity. Yeah, I'm, I'm planning to retire off of this somehow. I'm not quite sure how it works, but I've been promised. <laughs> <laughs> that three sock story so, is money. <laughs> so, so here we, uh, yeah, someday. So here we are. Um, uh, you also mentioned in that thread that you've been listening to some of our shows. Yeah. So you had been giving some thought to our questions. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start this uh, episode off with a speed round of questions oh, we've boy. never asked before. Never ask. Oh, here, I'm all prepared with my yep. with my <laughs> notes here and my formerly nicotine-stained fingers, and you're going to ask me something else. Yes. Okay. So um, what do you, would you say is the most overplayed song ever? You know, you're not going to believe this because, well, if, you, if you're if you a churchgoer, <laughs> you might get it. And it's like the most sacred song in like Christendom, and 
Amazing Grace because it's just, it's a wonderful song. It's just overdone. And okay, I'm sorry, I can't answer. stand it. Uh, do you remember the first song, that, or the, the song that you first slow danced to? Yes, because it's uh, one of the few times, I think the only time I slow danced, you know, before I was married. Um, and it was, uh, um, I, and I, I had a friend, she was not my girlfriend, she actually had another boyfriend, and he was unable to take her to the, to the prom, because, and she was in the, the, the court, you know, one of the, the homecoming court, homecoming it was, not prom. And so she asked me, hey, my buddy, you know, would you take me, I need a date, and I'm going, okay. And we slow danced to Chicago's uh, Color My World. Great. It was at every high school it. dance of the seventies. Yeah, yeah, that's a song story. You, yeah, you just told them a little mini song oh, yeah. story. Did your kids listen to any music that you just could not stand? Yeah, you know that's I don't even know what you call it, but when the guy screams, you know, that my son listened to that, and yeah, I you know I just I didn't try to make him stop. It's like if that was his thing, but it wasn't my thing. What about your grandkids? <laughs> yeah, my grandkids are three and five, so <laughs> not yet. They're Maybe kind shark. of. I'm not real big on the kitty songs they listen to either, but for different reasons. Do you do you and your wife's, and we're almost done with the speed round, do okay. you and your wife's uh, musical tastes align? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty close. Yeah, yeah. Where would be the point of least alignment? Oh, um, dang. Least alignment. Uh, I don't know. I mean, she pretty much, well, okay, yes. I, um, I'm not, I've never really been a metal heavy metal fan but i had a friend back when i was teaching at a college and he was he was like the music guru at that college and he kind of like fed spoon fed me a couple songs that i really really liked and before we were done i became a a fan of king's x which is a progressive metal band and um they get pretty heavy but just screaming they don't scream. No, they're actually very melodic. They have a lot of Beatles influence, okay. really, and they do three-part harmony, but it's a, it's a metal band. But their music, to me, is what they sing about, and I know some of the backstories of the guys' lives, and it's just been really compelling. So I've just absorbed their whole library, but my wife can't stand it. Actually, that's not quite true, because they used to come to—I uh, was teaching in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, and just an hour up the road in Charlotte— there's a dive rock and roll bar called Amos's South End, and that was one of the stops that, that King's X would, would do every year. And so I heard them live, I don't know, probably three or four times. And my wife actually came once, I think, and she really enjoyed him in concert because okay. she loved the, you know, I would tell her about the story, backstories of the guy's lives. She was into that, and she really liked seeing them live, but she'll never listen to a recording. <laughs> is, that the, is that the only metal show you've gone to? Uh, yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay, last question before we get back on the normal rails. Um, uh, what song have you listened to most in your life, besides Amazing Grace? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see. A single song. I don't know. Maybe, uh, because you've got to go way back. Maybe um, um, something by, by James Taylor, probably. Um, I don't know. You've got a friend or... Okay. Uh, Something like that. Okay. Well, so thank you for forcing me into a corner where I had to think up some new questions. <laughs> those are going to now become part of the new show oh, no. w- routine. The, the new template. Yes, exactly. So uh, what was the musical background of your childhood okay. and where was that? Yeah, okay. Something I prepared for. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my parents were uh, – I grew up in a very evangelical Christian home, and, and so I grew up in church every Sunday, and most of the music in my house was either you know religious-oriented. There was uh, – 
I grew up in the Chicago, outside of Chicago, and there was a, a Christian radio station called WMBI that my parents would have that on, you know, as kind of the default thing that was playing. And they, they played a lot of this Christian music. Of course, this was way before contemporary Christian music, so it was pretty, you know, churchy kind of music. And when that wasn't on, my father would would buy the, uh, I don't know if you remember, they're like the Reader's Digest music collections. Sure. Like the, you know, every song by Montavani, and it was like, you know, a dozen albums worth of Montavani, oh, yeah. and yeah. he had a bunch of that. So it's kind of funny because my father would have, uh, he, he passed away at 60, uh, which has uh, been 20-some-odd years ago now. Um, I'm actually three years older than he ever was, so that is a freaky thing. Huh. But anyway, um, but he, he kind of, he would, if he was here today, he would, he would tell you that, you know, he was a real music lover. And he, he, but the way he loved music mostly is it would be playing in the back. He had music on all the time, but he never actually listened to it. And I'm making little quotation marks on the yeah. other side of the smartphone. <laughs> yeah, he, um, but he would have it on in the background, but I never actually observed him really listening. Like when, when I started getting into music, like in high school, I had a buddy, one of my buddies, he had a really nice Pioneer receiver and these JBLL 100 century speakers, which are classic, you know, Rich is nodding his head because he knows what they are. And um, they're just awesome. And we would sit in his room. He had a room in a basement of a house and it was like this gigantic room. And we would sit there and just blast, you know, everything that we wanted to listen to and, and just sit and listen. Yeah. And, and to me, okay, that you had to do that if you're a music lover, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a little, it, different, little different definition. So um, to go on, maybe, I don't know what your follow-up question, but, I, but as I got, you know, I, that's all I really listened to until my folks unwittingly for my birthday one time when I was, I don't know, 12 or 13, bought me a kit of a crystal radio. Remember those? Uh-huh. It was oh, a little yeah. kit and it didn't need a power source. So you had you to know? assemble it. And, right? I, and I actually, my bedroom was in the basement of our house and I ran this wire out the, you know, wind, the basement window and up into a tree, you know, and, and, I, and of course you could only listen with an with a earphone, you know, yeah. so nobody could tell what you listened to. So I would lay in bed at night and start listening to like WCFL and WLS, AM? AM, AM top 40 stations in Chicago. And it's like this whole world. It's like, whoa, what is this stuff, you know? So that was kind of my... Did you even know something like that was out there? You know, or was it like finding... Out, out and you know. about. But, I, you know, cause, well, I had friends that had like a, you know, a 45 RPM record player and stacks of stuff. So I've been hearing yeah. stuff, you know, like that. But it was always out and about. I could never really hear it in my own you know, time and space. So it was, it was this kind of, it began this kind of subversive musical life, you know, fair with the crystal radio. Then I got a, uh, one of these, they had a radio, an AM FM radio and a cassette recorder in one little machine yeah, way yeah. before boom boxes. This was just a thing. And, uh, I'm not sure how I came by that, but I had it and I would do what you call a mixtape today. Uh-huh. I'd just be recording stuff that I liked off the radio, you know, so I had some tapes of and it was kind of funny because I usually I didn't know who the bands were or who I, I didn't ever get the names. I would just like well, I like that, you know. I'm listening yeah. to it, so I found out years later, you know, who who those people were. So that was. Um, Wouldn't that it was, be great if you still had those? Oh yeah. I mean, you know, it would just be fascinating, It'd be like time travel. It really would. But but so that's kind of how. Um, and of course, when I got my driver's license, I had you know I'm alone in the car and I yeah. got a radio, you know. So then what was I'm, the then, first music that you owned? That okay, you, like, piece that, of music. Yeah, I remember this so well. Uh, I I actually was given some some uh, music, um, like somebody gave me a tape of CSN's Crosby, Stills and Nash's first self-titled album, which absolutely changed my life and. 
uh, that's kind of been the lodestone of my musical compass ever since that album. But uh, but that was given to me. And of course, I had this random random collection of stuff I'd recorded off the air. But the first thing I ever bought was um, the Edgar Winter Group's album. They only come out at night, which um, is this album full of riotous, raucous rock and roll, including the song Frankenstein, uh, which I was hoping you could play a little snippet of it. But uh, it goes... And it has all this synthesizer craziness and Edgar Winter just... It's just... It's the one everybody thinks of for Edgar Winter band. Yeah, like, it's the, the Edgar Winter and song. And when the people are listening to this out in the world in a few weeks, they're going to hear that under the U. Yeah, it'll, doing yeah. Oh, that. it'll be okay, there. Good. It's already been there. It's in the past now. Okay, it's in the past. Hello, future people. Well, anyway, I had that, I had that tape of a cassette tape you know i'm listening to it and driving around my dad's buick you know and then on the road to him i listen to edgar winter you know <clears throat> so um anyway so in the middle of all this crazy rock and roll there's this little pretty ballad just stuck in the middle like what are you doing here song and it's called autumn and um it's a song of lost love and i didn't have a girlfriend i never had a girlfriend this is like my sophomore year in high school or and um so but I'm feeling the agony of lost love kind of from the perspective is I, I had no love yet. You know? mm-hmm. And when I got to thinking about it, I thought it's kind of a lot alike, you know. So uh, anyway, so that song was like, you know, it ripped me up. But it has a beginning, a little guitar riff at the beginning that is it's finger picked. Well, even if it's not finger picked, it's if it's flat picked, it's, it sounds like finger picking. And it and that song motivated me. I had started playing the guitar a few years before. And I'm just a basic strummer, you know, but I, I heard that I, I have to do this. And so I started doing finger picking and that's kind of been my style ever since. So that, I mean, that was the, the beginning of finger picking for me, which has been a huge part of my life. So that song has a lot of a lot of stuff and every and I played it. I learned it how to play it and I played it at gigs and stuff and you know late at night by myself my whole life i can see the producer in you dan because you've teed up your first song <laughs> without me even having to mention it so we're going to play it no extra right charge, now Mike, no extra charge. this is autumn by the edgar winter group uh, on the 1972 album they only come out at night I'm certain I've never heard that song before. Or back to what you were alluding to before, listen to it. It mm-hmm. may have been in the background somewhere sometime, yeah, yeah. but yeah. Beautiful song. Beautiful I just, song, I love yeah. that song. What's it make you feel now, listen to it, you know, with us? Oh, you know, every time I ever had a girl break up with me, that was pretty... <laughs> which has been a while, but uh, but yeah, it's, um, you know, everybody kind of knows that feeling of love lost, and it always evokes that in my in my soul. Did you ever get to see them live? Never did. No, nope, never did. Um, I've seen some other groups live that I'm really <laughs> thought I never would, but never. What's never the most uh, peak concert experience that you've had? The what? The most peak concert, the best concert, the oh, biggest. Yeah, you know, the, the, probably the be- the peak. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, recently, a couple. I don't know. A couple of years ago, it's been um, a good friend of mine here. Um, he had some extra. He bought a bunch of tickets and invited a bunch of his good friends, and we went to hear uh, David Cro- David Crosby and Friends up in I think it was in Sarasota or somewhere. And uh, I'd actually I'd gotten to see CSN. Um, yeah, it was they, they came they came here to town, and the tickets were like a hundred bucks. And I think, oh, I can't pay a hundred bucks. And then I was like, I've loved these guys all my life. I have to go. By the time yeah, I decided to go, that's how they get you. <laughs> by the time I decided to go, the tickets were like three hundred bucks, and I was like, I just couldn't do it. Well, then they came around again, and so. I went, and it was awesome. However, I have to say, as much as I love that concert, the one with Crosby and all these musicians he brought in with him was was actually a better show. The musicians were just 
consummate. I mean, I, I, it was just mind blowing, and it was in a fairly small hall there, and uh, I think it was there. So, anyway, and uh, it was kind of funny because I, my friend rented a a vehicle um, to drive us up there, and um, and and we the driver dropped us off next to the theater on the side, and there's this guy standing there leaning against the wall like a homeless guy, and I'm looking, I'm thinking. I think that's David Crosby. <laughs> 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 and and uh, so I thought, well... He does it, have a pretty recognizable yeah, look. Yeah, but anyway, I thought, I'm not going to bother him, you know. So we went in the show, and, in, and when it was time, in walks the homeless guy in the same clothes. <laughs> yep, that was him. But it was just a marvelous night, and I, I was just... My, my buddy who, you know, paid my way there was sitting next to me, and I was like... Gooing and eyeing, and the whole I, night, I got you know. to see all four of them when they did a reunion tour in 2006 uh-huh. over in West Palm Beach at the amphitheater wow. there, and it was really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, what brought you into the world of video? I mean, or you know, film at the well, time? Well, you know, I wanted to be a pilot growing up when I was a kid. My dad had a line pri- from my pilot dad, to filmmaker. Yeah, my dad had a private pilot's license, so I kind of grew, I grew up around airplanes, and I always wanted to be a pilot, but. Um, when I got in high school, it's like things were tight and there was really no money for flying lessons. And it was, it was such a – so stressful to me that the way I dealt with it was just, just kind of not think about it, you know, the flying. But I, I got a hold of a camera in high school and, and, and one of my buddies who's a year older than me and when he was a senior, he was the yearbook photographer. And he said, hey, you should be the yearbook photographer next year, you know, which I did. And um, I just – found out I kind of had an aptitude for, you know, composition and shooting pictures. Right. So that, and it kind of, you know, in high school, you find something you're good. I mean, I had, I was in a musical group, um, a, a choral group, and some of the musicians, they were really great musicians, and um, some of them went on to record albums and so forth. And, um, but, so I was around, I thought, well, I love music and I really like music, but I know I'm not that good, you know, to right. make it a career. And then, uh, and there were other things. I had people who were involved in uh, engineering and some other things, and you know, I thought. But when when I finally found something I was good at, I just kind of glommed onto it, and and I studied that through school, and and have made a career of it of uh, media production. So, what was the first, um, you know, video? And I say call it video camera, but you know what I mean. Uh, what was the first camera you shot on that wasn't, you know, a SLR or something like that? Uh, a well, moving picture camera. Yeah. They used to call. <clears throat> well, them. let's see. Probably it was a uh, an Aeroflex sixteen. BL, which was a self-limped uh, 60 millimeter camera. 16 millimeter. Yeah, because okay. the school I went to had that, and they also had an Eclair ACL, which is funny. Somebody just posted a picture of it yesterday. I thought, yes, I shot something on that camera because when I first was there, an underclassman, you know, it was like, ooh, the holy grail to touch the ACL, you know. Eventually, I got to use it. But <laughs> you've been through the entire arc from that to the iPhone. Yeah, I went in your all pocket. through because when I when I got out of school, it, all, it was industrial level, you know, production. Everything was sixteen millimeters. Yeah. So I did sixteen millimeter for several years and shot and edited tons and tons and tons of that. And then everything I rode the rode the transition to video and then into digital media. So yeah, it's it. it. Could you <laughs> imagine like being able to send back? in time to yourself shooting that first camera. You know what's funny? You doing the iPhone and then editing it on the iPhone What's or funny whatever. is I remember when uh, I had some friends who were in, involved with radio, uh, and I would see, like, they could, there's two things, things you can do with radio with buttons. Now, even if it was tape, you know, like an old TX tape deck, but you ran it with buttons, you know? And I thought, someday... We'll edit video with buttons. <laughs> you know, obviously that's made of light. That day has come, you know, and uh, is de rigueur now. So yeah, uh, do you shoot video like 
with your phone in your pocket a lot? And do I, you, I do. You, you know, you, I don't or even, is it like, do you still I don't have a nice camera? A, I don't even own a, you know, quote unquote, home video camera. Right, I was wondering, yeah. My still camera was just a little point and shoot. I haven't used that in years. I just, the camera in my iPhone is so much better than yeah. anything I used for most of my career that... It's very satisfying to me. Plus, just like they say, what's the best camera? The one you have with exactly. you at the time. You no, know? So that's the that. one that's always with What me. brought you to Southwest Florida? Uh, a job. I was uh, up in Orlando. And um, long story, I've been involved in video production my whole life. I've, been, I've lived in eight different states. And uh, there was a period of time for about 15 years where I was traveling a lot. I got to 34 countries all shooting video. But um, I, I was freelance doing freelance camera work up in Orlando for a few years and uh, I knew a guy a friend of a friend who was the marketing head of marketing at Shell Point Retirement Community and um, anyway long story but through the connection of friends of friends they this fellow found out so that you I came was, straight to Shell Point. I was yeah. I came to. You've to been work here as long as you've worked at Shell Point. Thirteen years. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. Okay. Um, I went through some of the videos that you sent, especially the one where you did the presentation. I didn't watch it all, but I jumped through it, and you have indeed been everywhere uh, around the world. Yeah, I, with I a can camera sing, on I can your sing shoulder. Song. I can like sing you, you can you you can claim that. With, uh, in case anybody ever wondered, yeah. It looks yeah. Like, what's like the most memorable place or places that you? Well, went? it depends on the thing. You know, as far as being like as far away from it all, probably. Papua New Guinea. It's like it's like being on the Disney Jungle Cruise, except you know it's all day and it doesn't end. You know, right? And there's no uh, uh, animatronics. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> but so that was yeah, fascinating. I loved going there. Um, but uh, as far as like the feeling of being in a foreign country, uh, Asia. You know, being in you know China, Taiwan. Um, uh, where else have I been over there? Um, Cambodia, you know, so places like that, because it's a culture older than our own. And so it's, you're, you're not, you're not like in a, uh, it's not like being in New Guinea where you're like away from everything. You're, you're in the middle of everything, but, but everything is just different, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not like it's better, it's worse. It's not a matter of being better or worse. It's just that it's very, very different and people think differently and they live differently. And um, to just be in the middle of that and absorb it is, is, is just it's it's fascinating. But world travel is just it's as everybody knows. It's done any traveling. It's just it changes you. It changes your soul. It changes your perspective. It changes your appreciation, especially for Americans. I mean, we our country's a mess. I mean, we all know it. But you know what? You just travel to the rest of the world and you think, yeah, it's a mess, but it's still a pretty great place. And it's you know, I mean, I'm biased, but I would say it's still the best place. And um, so it. You know, it makes you love your country and, and and appreciate. And the other thing, which is also a universal thing everyone will tell you, is is you find out that we're all pretty much the same. You know, we all need to have a roof over our heads and something to eat, and we want our kids to be okay, you know, and we love our family, and we love our friends, and, you know, everybody wants the same thing, you know. Hmm. Unfortunately, some people go about it in questionable ways, but... You know, we're all human beings, and and uh, we're all way, way, way more alike than we are different. So um, nowadays, we've got a phone in our pocket. It has a little chip on it. You can store hours of video on it. You can even send it up to the cloud, <laughs> so you can't lose it. My question is: is back when it was, you were in a precarious position, you were going around shooting film mm-hmm. that you had to carry with you and yeah. protect. Right. So my point is: is when we, what was the biggest? Like I screwed up. I either lost something or I didn't get the <laughs> shot from your well, time in okay, these the, places. <clears throat> the biggest one was. It didn't quite exist yet on the tape, but I had like a 40-pound beta cam on my shoulder, and I'm in uh, Samara, Russia, if I remember correctly, and there was this parade going on, and I'm like 
running with the camera to get out in front of the parade, and then I would shoot the parade going by, and then I would be at the back, and then I would run with this 40-pound camera and get to the front, and I would shoot some more, and I'm getting these amazing close-ups of the horn players and the marching band, and I did this like a half a dozen times over like a mile, and realized... I'm out of sync and I'm recording my running and I'm off when I'm <laughs> thought I was shooting. The classic mistake. Oh, I, I wish you the wish. Classic. I, out I of wish sync. you had that footage. So it exists <laughs> somewhere, but that was my most oh no moment. But yeah, um, I'll try to tell this as quickly as possible because you'll relate. So I was an intern. I went out on one of my first stories here in, at WGCU mm-hmm. in 2003. Um, it would have been maybe 2004. Porter Goss, who used to be our mm-hmm. congressman, mm-hmm. who had just been nominated to be the director of the Central Intelligence Agency yep. by George H. or George W. Bush, right. was having a media availability out on Sanibel, because right. that's where he lives. And I went out there, and I was an intern, and I sat down, and I put a mic in front of him, and his wife was next to him. Right. And I talked to him for 20 minutes and looked down and realized I hadn't turned on my mic <laughs> recorder. It so happens, I, to, I tell you. I it to, and it doesn't matter how many years you do this. Every once in a while, I had to admit to it. He got pretty stern. His wife said, honey, and he did the whole oh, thing over God again. bless him. God bless him. <laughs> okay. Um, I want to talk more about Shell Point and all that stuff, but uh-huh. let's go to your second song now. Okay. Well, my second song, yeah, we were talking about traveling. Um, in the 90s, I, I did like nine trips to Russia, and I got into Kazakhstan and in Belarus and uh, Ukraine, but I think it was the first trip. Uh, going over there, and and it was still the Soviet Union, but things were falling apart, and everything was changing. I mean, there's change in the air, and it was uh, the the people that I met. I mean, there's it was such a. I mean, Russia's like this incredible place, but there's so much sadness because it's like it's like the whole country screwed up, you know. It's like, and the people, you know, obviously, your man on the street, it's not his fault, but you know, it's just there was this this this. Uh, this mood there that's just sorrowful for like everything that's happened, you know, and for what a mess we're in. And um, anyway, so you just can't help but fall in love with some people. Russian people are just so much like Americans. I mean, we, we're so alike in a lot of ways. And, and so, you know, I'd made some friends, you know, you, you spend uh, a couple of weeks with uh, some translators and guides and drivers and stuff. And, you know, you kind of connect. So uh, you think, I just love these people, you know. And um, so I've been through all this stuff, and, and I'm on the plane, and I was traveling with a couple other guys, and a guy named John Boberg, he's sitting with me, and, we're, and he's listening to the in-flight entertainment, you know, on the, on the loops of music, you know. And he pulls off his headphones, and he says, you have to hear the song. And so he told me, and so I'm waiting till it loops around, you know, half an hour later, it starts yeah. over, you know. And it's a song by the Scorpions, you know, heavy metal group, which I didn't know anything about them at the time. And it was the song Winds of Change. And everything in that song I just experienced. I'd been to the places they talk about, and, and it was just like, I mean, even now I'm getting choked up thinking about it. I mean, I had just tears were just streaming down my face. It was so moving. And every time I hear the song, it takes me back to that, to that moment. So it, it's a, an incredible song. You remember what kind of plane it was? Are you a pl- well, it was a jet? Guy. I mean, a jet. It was a you know Boeing of some sort. I thought you'd be able to tell us the model number. Maybe. Oh no! Well, <laughs> well, this song... I can tell you some crazy stories about uh, Tarome Airlines and uh, Aeroflot, but that's for another day. Understood. Well, this song. I mean, I, I am familiar with this song, and I know that it had that impact that you felt on a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's listen to it. Uh, Winds of Change by the Scorpions from the 1990 album Crazy World. 
you know, we, you know, radio with the mind, theater, you know, ra- you know, putting p- pictures in your head, like the whistling and everything, and mm-hmm. you talking about the headphones and the plane and the moment, and it's like, I can really relate. I mean, I, and, you know, I, I was able to feel that. Yeah, yeah. What's it feel like to you? Well, first of all, it, it puts me on the plane. I mean, I'm sitting there seeing John sit next to me, listening to that, and then it also just remembering everything that happened on that trip and the people we met and the things we observed, and um, it was just. Just really, really moving. I mean, it's it's funny. I, I mean, I've, told you I've been to a lot of countries, but the few places I've been where I've really fallen in love with the people. And when I was in Russia, it was that way. I just, I just, I fell in love with Russian people. And so, you know, your heart is just kind of bursting with, you know, this emotion for the people that you've just been with, and how much, and then having to leave them, you know, and not knowing if you ever see them again. And um, you know, so it was kind of a floodgate moment you know <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that song i i was looking it up it, it's one of the most um sold singles of all time is it really yeah that's like yeah uh, well, apparently as you said it went everywhere as you the said world. a lot of people have <clears throat> shared my experience of what that song meant to them you know yeah and we've stumbled across some interesting yeah. coincidence richard take yeah, over so yeah so i like to try to you know keep abreast of what we're talking about here um in the studio on the computer and i went to look up you know some scorpion stuff yeah um, I'm, a, I'm a fan as well and uh it turns out that so on the front page of their website i did not search for this i just went to the scorpions website big bold text wind of change the iconic song october 3rd two days ago three days oh my ago, goodness four days ago five w- days ago. was <clears throat> was the 30th anniversary of the release of that song you're making me feel old rich and they're releasing <laughs> they've got like a box set you uh-huh. know like a, a re-release of it and it's like a it's like a the box is like a chunk of the wall. Oh, the Berlin Wall. Yeah, it looks. Re- I mean, it's actually really gorgeous. So um, I've got a, I got a couple chunks of the wall sitting on a shelf at my house right now. No, as do thousands and thousands of other Americans. Wow. Yeah, that's huh. crazy. That's crazy to me. Yeah, I would. I would, that would that's cool. Yeah. Um. Wow. Uh, when was the last time you went back, or have been back? Oh, it's been it's been quite a while. I think it was probably around. Um, 99 or somewhere along in there yeah. I made my last trip I didn't know what time it was going to be my you know my last trip and probably my last trip over there and this actually factors into my final song but we will get to that okay we will get to that I so have a, I have a question sorry about go, the, go. The going going and coming there uh, you know it's the 90s the Soviet Union still exists mm-hmm. uh, I mean did you guys it was how, the 80s uh, yeah it was the beginning, it was 90s it was, it's oh, like it was uh, early 90s? I think it was 90 or 91 my first trip it was just before the fall I was actually in uh, Leningrad, the day they changed the name back to St. Petersburg. Wow. wow. And so, that was, there was some cool stuff that happened so, that day, so some scary God. stuff that happened that day. Yeah, so to so my question then, how did you get in and out? Was it difficult? Was it it wasn't, like, it wasn't so bad. Um, I mean, things were starting to open up. Um, and, um, you know, I just, we'd, we'd fly into Frankfurt and then um, take a uh, Aeroflot flight in from there generally, or from uh, Helsinki. And um, so we'd always, you know, fly in on Aeroflot and, I don't know if that was part of it. They're trying to make some money off tourism and, you know, bolster up Aeroflot. But, uh, yeah, I, I actually, I was working with some people that made the arrangements, so I wasn't, you know, the one slogging out. I wasn't slogging out getting getting the around. You were getting freighted around the world with your camera. Pretty much, yeah. It was me and the camera, and I just showed up where I was told, you know. How How well have you maintained your archives? Well, most of the stuff that I shot was for other organizations. So you didn't even bother so to keep it. You handed it over. Yeah, right. It wasn't mine to keep. But I know a lot of it uh, still exists, you know, in different places. Gotcha. Um, <clears throat> um, 
uh, real quick before we move to Shellpoint mm-hmm. TV and Shellpoint Work, because I want to talk about yeah, that. Okay. Um, cameraman first, editor second, both at the same kind time. Kind of both at the same time. I've always shot and edited. Most of the stuff I've worked on, I've shot and edited. So, um, with like some, a one-man with, with wrecking some, crew. With some extension. <laughs> with, 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 yeah, with, with, with a few exceptions, there's been periods of time where I was just a cameraman, and there's been, been some periods of time where I was just an editor. I worked for the government for a while, uh, making films for the Air Force, and that was just editing. And I've done freelance camera work where I just just did camera work. Back in the so. day, would you rather, if you had to be doing one or the other, which, would you rather be walking around the, with a camera? I always prefer the camera work. And I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tell you why. There's, there's a reason it's why. It's I mean, less I, like OCD and Well, I enjoy tunnel. the editing. I mean, enjoy – there's a couple things. One is – well, editing is a process for me. It's, it's sort of like when I write, write a song. Um, it's, it's, it's a creative process, and I have to go into a zone to do it. And, you know, you probably know what I'm talking about because you, you can't just, oh, I'm going to edit for a while. You know, it's, it's not like. Oh, I know exactly it's, it's, what you're you got to get into about. your zone and yeah. all your creative juice starts getting poured into this project. And then, you know, like I can I can go like without eating for a day and not even realize it, you know, when I, once I'm there. But, you know, and I put everything I've got to give. And by the time the project's done, you know, you're exhausted and then. And see, I've done it so many times that I know what it's going to take. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like dread going there. <laughs> you know the arc that you're going to have yeah, to go the creative through. Arc. I used to talk yeah. about it in my classes yeah. when I taught students. I said, this is what you can expect. This is how it works. You know, this is the prep stage. This is the development stage. This is, uh, this is all wrong stage. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I even told them, I said, there's, there's the postpartum depression. I mean, there's this depression you got to deal with when it's over because you finish a project and it's like, it's like you feel like I have no reason to exist. Right. I, why am I even here? You know, the project's done. <laughs> so then you have to... You know, go to the next one. But but uh, all that to say, with editing, and you can ask my wife, you know, she says, well, when you're coming home? Oh, I'll be home by about 8. And she says, mm, 10.30. You know, <laughs> because it always takes longer than you think, and it always just goes and goes. And with camera work, it's like, okay, we're showing up at 7 in the morning, and, uh, you know, 5, we're going to be done. Well, you know what? At 5, you go home. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the camera work is a lot more predictable, um, although... The shooting has taken me, you know, as we said, on a lot of travels. So when my kids yeah. were, it sounds glamorous and great, and it really is, and I loved it. It wasn't anything I, I, it wasn't on my bucket list. I never like, oh, I want to go see the world. It just happened as part of my work. And I'm really glad it did. I had amazing experiences. However, I had a wife with little kids growing up at home during those years, and, and they are the ones that paid the price because, you know, I'd be gone for a week or two. One time I was gone for two months, you know, and it was, um, Really, really hard on them. So, I mean, there's a price to be paid. But um, so, but basically, you know, when it's around town, camera work is yeah more manageable. Well, and I can see, you know, nobody's going to fly you around the world to edit video or uh, video. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, okay. So, um, describe how robust the media operation is at Shellpoint. It's incredible. Uh, it's an incredible system. Um, you know, when I arrived here 13 years ago, into they said, "Oh, we're doing this TV show," and there's a couple guys working on it, and you know I saw what they were doing, and it was, it was, kind of what you expect. It's kind of like, uh, um, it was kind of like um, what was this, the Saturday Night Live show? The guys, um, the the basement public access. Wayne's show. World. Wayne's World. It was kind of Wayne's <laughs> World. It was kind of a Wayne's World kind of a vibe, you know, <laughs> not a wing and a prayer, and you know. But um, that's a great picture you just painted. Yeah, so Shell that Points was, TV that's kind of what I Wayne's walked World. into. <laughs> Yeah, uh, except on a you know a little more slightly serious level, but anyway, they're trying. And, and my my boss, uh, Lynn Schneider, who's been the voice of Shell Point, you've heard her, she's been broadcast from your station for thousands of hours. Um, 
who's just an amazing person, uh, and sh- she's uh, been my boss for most of the time there. She's not at the moment, but um, but she just had this gung ho. Let's do a show. It's kind of like you know. Um, uh, Kind of like an old '40s movie, you know. Like, let's we're going to do a show. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> she kind of didn't know what she was getting into, and she's just like, "Let's just do this." And there's a long story how it started, but but it did. And I looked at, it, I thought, okay, you're doing a daily 30 minute TV show five days a week with three people. Mm-hmm. I said that can't be done. Mm-hmm. You know, it just that can't. Except be done. you just did it another year. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, we the the thing is, is so I I said no way. I don't want to be involved with this. And then I kind of. They, oh, that's what they were doing at the time. Yeah, and they said right. they said, well, just we just come and give us a shot for a month and just try it out. And you know, I was freelancing in Orlando at the time. I, I mean, I I could leave and come back it was no problem. But so I thought, okay, okay, I'll come and check it out. Well, after about a week, I thought, okay, there is some really cool stuff here. This could be a really sweet gig. I need to do this. So I did. And over the years, we figured out how to get get a daily show done with three people, and um, and you know, it's using some templates and you know, one thing and another. Mm-hmm. We we it's it's grown into a, a pretty respectable thing that I'm very proud of. And um, so, uh, as far as the equipment, they've they've been real good to us, uh, providing us with good gear. Uh, I've had some people from from the stations around town saying. This is better than what we got. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, it's a, the studio is incredible. Actually, we moved into a new studio a couple of years ago. And um, you got to come out and see it, man. We uh, are, we'll be happy to come out and yeah, see it. Yeah, absolutely. come You're, out there and record an episode of the podcast abs- there with somebody. You are welcome anytime. It'll be, it, there's a guy named Dave Nixon who's been a lifelong friend of mine. Our fathers were best friends. It's a great story. But he's, the, he's in charge there now. And um, I've kind of moved to a different uh, department at Shell Point, which we can get to. But uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a great setup. I you think you'll be you'll be surprised when you come out and see it. Um, you know, besides being a multi level marketing scheme, we also <laughs> ask people who create media to try to share it there. Is uh-huh. there any chance this podcast is going to get shared on Shell Point TV? Uh, you know, that could well be. Uh, you know, they they might do a story about what I'm doing right now. Who knows? They always are fishing for, so, for stories with a Shell Point so connection. So you're not, you're not engaged with that anymore? Well, I am somewhat. I, I actually am... Um, I, you know, I was always behind the camera, but when I got there, they they kind of tagged me to to be an anchor on the front of the camera because the the residents don't make the show. We make the show for the residents, about right. them. It's for them, but it's uh, to keep the quality and you know everything at a, at a level. We've always made shows. So they started asking me a while back to be an anchor. So I did that once in a while, and then a few years ago, they made me like the full time anchor. So that was part of my duties. It's you know, as you know, on a, <laughs> producing something, that's that's about an hour and a half a week. You know to of stuff because we do all the anchors for the next week, you know, at one one sitting. But anyway, when I transferred to my new position, they wanted me to keep doing that and maintain that face on the on the screen. So so I'm a bubble celebrity, so I'm telling you. <laughs> There's a thousand people that see me over their breakfast every day. <laughs> um, and, and you also do some other stuff, which I'm going to pull up here, so just bear with me for okay. a second. Okay. We can edit this out. Or not, maybe. Or not. We'll see. Or not. Uh, <clears throat> we might need some padding, you know. No, we like <laughs> the awkward silence. <laughs> It'll be worth it. I didn't think to cue this up properly before we started. This oh, is my fine. fault. Okay, sometimes you put on variety shows. Can we call it variety oh, yeah. shows? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, we're not, we haven't been doing that lately, but for a number of years. But, um, but we could give you a little evidence of it. Yeah, here. okay. Could, you know, <laughs> what I got. <laughs> How do we? Can I make it better? Oh, yeah. He's never dead. This is you singing, right? This is me. You're, you're the high one. You're not the low one. Yeah, I'm the high one. Because you ain't seen nothing yet. I'm so man. Yeah. I'm so man. 
So yeah, you, you guys do more man. than for daily one, news. For one night, I was a soul man. Was that something that they had to talk you into or that you would happily do? Oh, I'd happily do it. It's a change of pace, you know, something different. It was fun. <laughs> now, that's, is that the first time you... You know, I, I say since I've been at Shell Point, I've been making up for all the high school plays I was never in, you know. So. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the ACMA. Okay, let's do. That you're a charter member. When was that started? You know, it's been uh, nine years now, almost ten. Um, yeah, I, I heard about the ACMA from, uh, well, actually first heard about house concerts, which were going on uh, before the ACMA in which the ACMA came out of. And uh, my neighbor uh, around the corner he actually, uh, when I first moved into my house, he was walking his dog by, and he saw, through the window, he saw some guitars, you know, and he had to, like, <laughs> check that out. So he, you know, introduced himself, and he told us about, told me about these house concerts. Well, the ACMA came out of that, so, of course, I heard it was happening, and I went to the first meeting, and thereby became a charter member. And um, for about the first year, though, I, I, some things kept me busy, and I wasn't real active, and I got way more active later on, so... And you guys haven't been meeting because of COVID? We haven't been meeting because of COVID. There's been some, uh, um, you know, uh, video concerts that have been going on, um, which has been kind of cool. But, yeah, I haven't been meeting in person for have some time. Have you performed there? Yeah, I've performed several times. Um, you know, they have kind of two levels, two modes. They have what they call homegrown, and it's that the local members do sometimes concerts. Sometimes it's uh, a half-hour um, uh, opener for uh, a touring act and the touring acts are their kind of the premier thing mm -hmm. so there's kind of two two kinds of shows but but at every t regular touring act one of the one of the members opens generally and so i've opened several times and another time uh, another uh, uh, couple that's our members we we shared and did a, a whole concert together so yeah it's it's been a few opportunities for me there and then um i also um, get tagged to, to gig out at shell point quite i've done a bunch of open houses and some uh, dinners and dances and whatnot, things over there. So I, you know, it's, that's kind of my built-in gig, you know, to play at Shell Point. Um, and, when you play, do you play like all your own stuff, mostly covers? You know, mostly. So, well, <clears throat> I got quite a quite a cache of covers because there was a, for a few years I teamed up with a guy. We had a '70s duo. We called ourselves Windhorse. And this has been a few years back. Um, we uh, our big gig was we played out at Sundial at uh, on Sanibel. We played there every weekend for eight solid months. One wow, year. that must have been. It a was fun Friday time. and Saturday, and I actually paid for my daughter's wedding off of that gig, which is wow. my proudest. Everybody wins. That was my proudest <laughs> musical accomplishment in my life. I played for, paid for my daughter's wedding playing the guitar. So, uh, but anyway, my um, my buddy. Um, he he had some he's had a bunch of troubles with his back and a bunch of back surgeries and he just can't stand up and do a gig anymore so but uh we we haven't been able to keep that going but anyway so answer, to answer your question i do a bunch of both i you know generally people aren't wanting unless people specifically are interested in original music like yeah. at the acma at the and, acma it's all your own stuff it's yeah, just the, it's that's the thing yeah but at most stuff people don't want to hear a bunch of stuff that they've never heard before what, so what uh, song have you covered the most times oh man Give us. I played idea. Autumn a bunch of times. Yeah, you know, like okay. I, 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 I play. Uh, oh, let's see. I play some James Taylor songs. I play. Um, oh my gosh, what would be the number? One? Probably something. Probably Crosby, Stills and Nash. I played. Um, um, helplessly hoping. Probably every gig. Well, because here's the deal. 
Crosby's Nash, not a lot of people like to cover Crosby, Stills, and Nash tunes because it's all about the harmony, right? Uh-huh. So if you're just a guy with a guitar, how do you do justice to Crosby, Stills, and Nash? You basically, you don't. Right. But uh, I, I've got onto this box back when I was doing the 70s duo, and it's uh, it's it's harmonizer thing, and you sing into it, you sing the melody into it, and it listens to your guitar, and it figures out from the triads that it li- hears from the guitar, and it and it creates four-part harmony. Wow. And it's in robot harmony. Yeah, it is. It's robot <laughs> harmony. And if, if you listen really close, you can tell, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like we but, used to uh, use it. We'd but have if like, you're just listening to like your dad listening to whatever. Right. For, for stuff like that. And it's marvelous. And I can, I can, it actually has a CSN patch, you know, and it's, wow. it's not like the real thing, but. It's pretty cool, and it's fun. I mean, and my live, wife, that my, kind of stuff probably I just, plays. Yeah, I, it's sure. addicting. It's addicting to sing. I can imagine, yeah. So anyway, I do a lot of Crosby, Stills, and Nash tunes, which, what? which like nobody else does. You know, Are there so. any songs that you know that you hope people won't won't ask for? Well, I'll tell yeah, you. That's <laughs> what I'm gonna, I want to <laughs> tell you a story. Okay, wait, wait, you're wait, gonna know. My, you're my gonna version, know the song. Hold on, I guarantee you. Because my version was, "What song have you covered exactly is it, is once?" It, is it? Uh, well, is here, it here's the deal. I'm gonna tell you a story. And I'm going to tell you the story. And it was once. Well, not, that's not quite true. But so, so my buddy and I, we um, we decided when we were going to do the seventies. We are we are we're the anti Jimmy Buffett band. You know, we're the opposite of Jimmy Buffett. You can go to any other place up and down the beach, and oh, you're going to hear Jimmy language, Buffett. Jan. So we said we're that. You know, that was kind of our one of our sales points. Where it actually got us the big gig we had you know we're not the jimmy buffett guys but you know one night as expected this guy he's from out of town he doesn't know all he needs to do is wait a half an hour you know at wherever he is and he's gonna hear jimmy buffett Great you know or he's gonna you. hear margaritaville <laughs> of course <clears throat> so he goes oh you guys you guys will you will you play my wife's favorite song margaritaville you know and we kind of go okay you know we'll do it you know so so we fire up and we just play Margaritaville, you know. <laughs> but you know it. We, we, we know it. You know, we're playing it like the Big Bears at Chuck E. Cheese Pizza. <laughs> That's kind of about our rendition. It was about that exciting. And uh, and he gives us a, it was like a $20 tip in our tip chart. And I'm going, you know, that song's grown on me. <laughs> I know. Exactly. Exactly. So we would play it now and then, you know, if we got to So asked, you won't say no to Margaritaville. Won't say no. Especially if, if there's a if, 20 If there's spot. a 20 in it, we're, we're there. Okay. What about Cheeseburger in Paradise? You know what? I never actually, Pirate looks I've at never 40. actually learned that song, so no. <laughs> um, okay, it's time for your third song. Third song. Okay, so this song is another one that probably nobody's heard of. Um, there's a, a singer-songwriter based out of Alabama named Pierce Pettis, and um he he actually he worked for a time as a professional songwriter in Nashville and there's uh, I'm embarrassed I can't remember the name of it because I'm not a huge Garth Brooks fan but he wrote one of Garth Brooks's hit songs and Chris uh, what was it Chris Dan no I'm making a joke from a yeah. past episode <laughs> oh, yeah oh it's Garth Brooks again Chris Gaines Chris Gaines never yeah. mind just keep going okay. another episode folks you're gonna have to dial up another one um, but yeah anyway uh, Pierce Pettis and he's done a bunch of albums and he's just super intelligent. Uh, in terms of his content and what he has to say and in his musicality and I just I just adore the guy and by the way I, the song's You Move Me that's the song well, You says, Move Me it says yeah his songs have been covered by artists yeah that like was the, that was the Garth Brooks song yeah. You Move Me so um, anyway so Pierce has been down here uh, he comes through Florida pretty much once a year he's played the ACMA a couple times which is where I really got acquainted uh, and one time he was he it's like his agent misbooked a gig in like 
Tampa or somewhere, and he had to like make a trip to Florida for one gig, and he was like fishing around for something. And something else to pick ACMA, up while he ACMA was there. ACMA is booked like a year or more in advance, sure. so that wasn't going to be an opportunity. But but Alice Schaefer, who you've uh, going to have or have had on. Um, I think she's one of Robert Bidney's yeah, uh, nominees, correct. so she's going to come. She's been a uh, founding officer of the ACMA. I like the confidence in that. So she's going to come. She's going to come. Yeah. I know she's going to be here. But anyway, Alice would never say no to this. She's like the biggest <laughs> music lover you'll ever meet. But uh, anyway, he called Alice trying to you know find something, and she said, he said, well, do you think I could do a house concert somewhere? And Alice called me and said, do you want to have Pierce Pettis do a house concert in your living room? I said... You know, do I want Jesus to come again to my living room? I mean, it's like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, so it was like, it was like the, I mean, it was like so surreal. It was just surreal because this guy who had just, I just fallen in love with, right. with his work and he, he played a con- Christmas before last. He did a concert in my living room. Wow. On Christmas? Or it was a day, around, a day or two Christmas? before, a day or two before Christmas. Christmas. Time. Yeah. And so anyway, Pierce Pettis. So. You've got a lot of songs that uh, that I love, but this song is called "We Will Meet Again," and it kind of I, I mentioned uh, when we we're talking about Russia. You know, it's been a lot of trips I've made where I've really connected with people and made friends that like this could be a lifelong friend, and yet I've left knowing I I probably will never see them again. Right. You know, and that's that's been the case you know many times. And there's just other people, circumstances in my life where you know there's people that I just can't be with for one reason or another and like my father for example you know he he passed away way too early and you know i i mentioned i grew up in an evangelical christian home and i i hold on to that hope of there is something after this you know and that uh that there will be reunions you know there will be there will be meeting again you know and so that's and, and pierce is a believer and uh his it's funny he's not an in your face christian artist by any stretch um, but if you know what his faith uh, basis is, you can you can see it in his in his work here and there. I mean, it's but anyway, um, and this is an example of that. It's not an in your face, you know, Christian song, but it's um, it speaks to hope for for meeting again, and that's just really it's it just touches me every time I hear it. And actually, I've learned to play it. It's I, I've actually asked him in a concert a couple of times, "Will you play this song?" And he never plays it. And, so um, you haven't seen him play it? I've not seen him play it live, even though I've asked him not to play it. Not even in your home? Not even in my home he wouldn't play it. <laughs> That's a long story. But I, I, I've had a, uh, an email exchange with him about the song, and, and I, I, fig- I think I figured out why. It's, it's in this bizarre tuning. It's a C minor tuning that, that's like I never heard of before. It's really difficult to get your guitar into that tuning and get it out again. Mm-hmm. And it's the only th- and, it, and he gave me some keeps and here's some chord patterns. And he gave me enough to go on that I kind of figured out a reasonable arrangement, not as good as he does, but enough that I can do the song. But you have to have a guitar dedicated to I was this one say, song. He should just carry around two songs. Well, he two could, but you know, <laughs> he's he's touring in his little van. I know. You know I'm so making, he, I'm, I know. But, he um, shouldn't have to do anyway, that. I, I finally figured out. I think, oh, it's the tuning. It's just. It's just really hard to do, but it's a beautiful song, and um, I just have fallen in love with it. It just I'm just kind of smitten by it. Well, I was going to ask you to describe the scene of the house concert so we could imagine him playing this song, but he didn't play it. So let's just imagine him in a well, recording studio. Yeah, he, he was standing next. He was standing. We had, of course, all the everything pushed out, and the furniture all moved around. So we had like you know several rows of seating in my living room, and my dining went back into my dining room. 
and the, and he was standing next to the Christmas tree, and there's a little archway that goes between uh, the living room and the dining room in my house, and it's like open up above, you know, vaulted ceiling, and I've got some. I've got my childhood electric train up there and my father's electric train, you know, lined up on the little archway. So he's in the middle of the concert. He goes, and he stops. He goes, there's trains up there. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that was a moment I remember. But yeah, I couldn't get him to sing the song, but... Well, one day, one day. Well, let's listen one day to him I will hear singing it into a microphone in a recording studio somewhere back in the late, you know, right around 2000. This mm-hmm. is uh, uh, We Will Meet Again, Pierce Pettis, uh, 2001 album uh, State of Grace. So where are you going listening to that in your head, in your thoughts? Just all those people that I probably won't see, you know, in this world ever again. So there's a bunch of them. When was the last time you listened to that song? I played it probably in the last couple of days to myself on my guitar, but uh, haven't actually listened to the recording for probably a couple of months ago. How do you listen to songs when you listen to songs these days? Oh, yeah, more often than not uh, through my phone and, and headphones or in my car, you know. Do you still listen to radio stations that play music on in your car? You know, I have... I've started asking I that, have, and it's surprisingly have, few people. I have WGCU on more. I than mean, like else. you know, I, rock I really station, do. Christian station, yeah, country I, station. I, I don't much, you know. It's like I usually either listen to WGCU, and when I listen to music, I I uh, get the Bluetooth going and I play something out of my phone through my car speakers, you know. And um, and at home, uh, I'll sit by my computer and with the speakers, you know, listen to stuff off YouTube. I, I listen to a lot of stuff off YouTube because I want to see. This. Oh, you know, there's another thing, too, I listen to. Somebody told me about Kello. You know about Kello? No. Richard? Kello. No. No, it's Q U E. You're hipper not, than us, Not Kui. It's not Kui. It's Kello. It's close. <laughs> it's uh, Q. It's no U in it. It's Q E L L L. No U after the Q. It's kind of like odd. Jello with a Q. 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 I call it Q E L L O. It's it's Netflix for music. It's like oh, con- it's concert streaming. It's concert streaming huh. and it's phenomenal. Uh, my my somebody friend, should invent that. My That's friend Roy Schneider. I told him about it one time <laughs> at about seven o'clock. I told my friend Roy Schneider about it one time about seven o'clock after I'd found it. And about like one o'clock in the morning, he texts me. He says, "Kello is I drunk." <laughs> but it's uh, yeah, it's just got hundreds and hundreds of concert wow. videos and it's just it's phenomenal i could sit there and l- watch and listen for many i live for a, hours now is there a recent one you've watched that that oh, pops you know in, pops there's to one mind? that's just actually it's one of it's not one of the better um not one of the better video and audio quality ones but uh emmy lou harris and mark knopfler did an album a few years ago and they yeah, did like yeah. four or five concerts you know after they did it and one of them got got taped and it's on there and it's just like oh my gosh i mean I'm I'm in love with Emily Harris. I mean, I could just marry the girl. I mean, she's she's one of you, you, you've wife. asked you've asked uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My wife doesn't listen. No, she knows I like Emily Harris. But uh, you you ask some people about if they would who would they would want to collaborate with musically. Yeah, yeah. I probably she would be my number one. Okay, because, because she I'll is such a coll- that off of she my is questions. such a collaborator. You know, yeah. she's played with everybody. Maybe she'll hear this. Maybe so. Like Hi, Emmy. If you do out there. And then I've got a couple others. Uh, Matt Scannell of Vertical Horizon. That might be kind of out of left field or something, but I love that band and uh, actually got to see him um, down in um, Benita Springs at that that the art that, center. The art center, Benita Springs, that unfortunately is, seems to have been gone away. But uh, oh, really? But That's they had they had Vertical me. Horizon, and I mean, I watched them with like a couple hundred people, which is incredible. And 
afterwards, I went, you know, me and my buddy waited to talk to him. And after everybody else had left, I got to have a nice conversation with him and the guys. And, and I told him how much my music meant to me. And, uh, and he gave me a hug. <laughs> I've been hugged by Matt Scannell. Anyway, and then uh, there's, a, there's a band up in Minneapolis called Romantica, a guy named Ben Kyle. If you ever just look him up, Ben Kyle Romantica. And it's, a, it's this incredible band. They're all people that just have regular jobs. They're just regular people. And they just do music for the love of it. They're probably never going anywhere, but they should be huge. They're just amazing. And um, I would love to do something with Ben Kyle. When was the last time you bought music that had a physical form? Uh, probably pure, everything Pierce Pettis ever recorded is probably my last, gotcha. my last purchase. Picking it up at the merch table, <laughs> Yeah, basically. right. That's where I usually get stuff, you know, the ACMA or, or whatever. And, uh, you know, I'll buy, buy CDs of people that I've... Uh, you know, connected with what they had to do. Do you have any TV theme songs committed to memory that you'll sing with us? You know, I knew you were going to say us. that. <laughs> and I think, at us. You can um, sing it at us. <laughs> <laughs> let's see. It was going to be the, Gig- the Gilligan's Island theme was probably one. Uh, I think we got that. Yeah. You want to yeah. try that? Oh, here's a, wait. Okay. Fun. While Mike grabs it, here's a fun little uh, trivia. Yeah. Since you mentioned Amazing Grace. Right. Amazing Grace and the Gilligan's Island theme are in the same uh, cadence time signature. Oh, my. Um, and as such, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound of <laughs> the wretch like me. Yeah. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I there see. There you go. Yeah, same thing. That's probably why that song is, you know, overrun in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's not like I don't like the song. It's yeah. just been played too much. Do, right? I'm going to try. I've never done it the other way. Uh, Jesse. Right back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, do it, do it backwards. Yeah, I, oh, I it's hard to do A little, little harder that way. It works, I know. but I Okay, are yeah. we ready, kids? I love this song. <clears throat> it's been a while. I bet it's there. Just sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a faithful trip that started on this tropic board aboard this tiny ship. Mate was a mighty sailor man, skipper brave and true. Sure. Turns set sail that day for a three-hour tour. A three-hour tour. Somebody needs to go up. <laughs> Started getting rough. The tiny ship was tossed. If not for the courage of the fearless crew, the minnow would be lost. I'm going pirate. Minnow would be lost. Tale of this uncharted desert isle with Gilligan, the skipper, and his wife, the movie star, the professor and Mary Ann, here on Gilligan's Oh, what? Oh, it keeps going. a long, long time. This is. This, uh, must have, <laughs> this must have been for the reprise uh, series or something. Oh. Big Island Nest. Yeah, there, <laughs> was this there. in the original show? I don't remember. This was probably the outro. Luxury. Oh, the outro. Maybe. Yeah. Russo as primitive as can be. Must have been there. I got that. Each week, my friends, it's sure to get a smile. My friend, passengers, here in Gilligan's Isle. Yeah, it must have been. That was the outro. I loved, yeah, I loved that immediately. It was like, that's, oh, I've never heard this. And then, like, no, 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 we're never saying it again. Well done, well done. Okay. I That was easy. Uh, to do those aren't always easy for me. That one was pretty easy. Oh, um, okay, I, I I don't know if you can answer this. I don't know if you drink. It doesn't have to be alcoholic. But if you were a cocktail or a drink, what would it be? Oh my, um, probably um, 
Um, you know, there's like only one drink I really like, a mojito. You know, it's like an alcohol I could take it or leave it, but yeah. You, I enjoy I enjoy a mojito. Give it so some I kind of twist that was, that'll make it the Dan Phil Green mojito. Oh, man. Because we're putting together a little like compilation. Maybe put some raspberries in it. I love raspberries. Raspberry, raspberries in a mojito. Raspberry mojito. Maybe um, that exists. I don't know. Do you listen to music while flying a plane? You know, I have a pilot's license, but uh, no, I don't think I ever did. Because I'm always, you know, listening to the... Is that a rule? or It's mean- not a rule. No, a lot of guys listen to music. I just, uh, and I haven't flown that much in my life. And so when I'm flying, it's total concentration, you know. So, yeah, yeah. I, I and, would imagine. And I, you know, and I never got to do like a lot. So that's something you do on like a really long trip when you're up at cruise and there's nothing really to do, you know. Most of my flying, there was something to do the whole time. Understood. You know? um, if you're a championship wrestler, what music would you come in on? <laughs> Oh, something by King's X. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, uh, name one just so I can... Well, it wouldn't be a good one to come in on, but it would have been probably one of my alternate songs, if one of my three songs, but uh, it's like the... It's kind of like Winds of Change for uh, for the Scorpions. It's not necessarily characteristic of most of their music, but it's a big one they're known for. It would be Goldilocks. Is, what? Well, that's funny. Yeah, wow. Scorpions. Okay, this is a great. You want a I was going to replace you Minnow a, with Goldilocks when I sang, but I decided wait, no, wait, not to. Wait, 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 because you said Scorpions, <laughs> songs they're known for, and you didn't say Rocky Like a Hurricane. No, he didn't say Scorpions. <laughs> no, he said. I, I, no, but I, no, I said. I said. I'm uh, confused. Yeah, you said okay. Well, you say King's X, you're probably going to think of Dog Man oh, or something like that. Goldilocks is kind of a lighter tune, you know, from there normal fare but are we still recording is this still part of the show this is, this? is exactly yeah. where we finally reached the sweet spot dan okay well anyway <laughs> okay well, i'm gonna finish out a story this is a story you're not gonna believe this you talked about my boat my boat's called goldilocks uh-huh. right well um and it's because it's just right and because my women in my life are blonde or at least used to be okay so but you know i'm also a king's x fan and i i installed a stereo on my boat you know put some speakers in and everything and i got this card on it with like a thousand you know a little sd card with a thousand songs on it or you know that like lots and lots and lots of music sure. and I, I plug it in there and i turn it on randomly dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it's goldilocks i was like oh thank Perfect. you this is that like, was like like how we booked you on this show it was, it was magic cool. that was like it seeing, was just that was like magic. seeing winds of change on the on yeah, yeah so um so you were recommended by Robert Bidney. Yeah. And you didn't have that much time between when I asked you and when you, you know, right. right now. Had you already done the math on your songs? Like, were you doing that in, like, proactively? Or did you have to start doing that when I jumped on that Facebook thread? And oh, no. As soon as, as soon as Robert told me I might be doing this, I started thinking about it. So, I, yeah, I already had my songs. When, was I, it I hard was ex- to have I was expecting, I made some notes thinking, oh, I'll hear from him, like, in a year or two. Or, you know, <laughs> maybe the next millennium. And <laughs> here, here you are a week later. You're one of of ten percent that doesn't lose all your money. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, was there a fourth song? Well, I would have done Goldilocks, so that would have been the fourth song. Okay, wow, it's all tied together. Okay, um, album you would choose to listen to if you had to choose only one? Oh, that's pretty easy. CSN's for self self titled album. I've probably listened to that easily more than anything else in my life because I started so early, and. yeah, I, it's funny. Every time I hear or think about a guitar solo when I'm playing, it's like Stephen Stills is in my head. I mean, it's just, it's just that's what a guitar solo is supposed to sound like. <laughs> um, uh, cover you've most recently learned? Cover I've most recently learned. Oh, this is a hard one. Um, well, maybe, I mean, maybe probably that Pierce Pettis song that we played because um, I, I figured out how to play that. I mean, I've been trying for years to figure it out and I finally 
finally did. Um, although um, uh, there's been a couple of other, as far as like a known song, uh, and it would be um, Graham Nash, a song called um, After the Storm. Yeah, After the Storm. How many songs but, have you written? Uh, me, probably. <laughs> ones that I would play for you, probably uh, a dozen or 15, altogether probably 30 or so. Do you like write them down or do you just rely on remembering them? I knew a oh, guy I, that... I, 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 when generally what happens is I'm noodling on my guitar and, you know, like, especially in an alternate tuning or something, and all of a sudden I go, oh, that sounds cool, and I'll record it in on my phone. Uh-huh. used to have a little micro cassette recorder I would record stuff. So I'm just making little musical notes. And then <clears throat> sometimes the, the feeling of that riff or whatever I've come up with gives me a, an idea of a subject, and, and then I'll write words, and I usually write it out poetically, and then I'll take the musical idea and then come up with more music to you know work with the words. So that's kind of my process. Gotcha. I know words a guy, for, it seems like about 90% of songwriters is words first. Right. You know? I know a guy who I always kind of thought was, he he's, he's not doesn't do it for a living, but he's written a lot of songs, and he's good. He's a really mm-hmm. good singer-songwriter, mm-hmm. and he refuses to write anything down because really? he claims that if he can't remember it, it's, it's not it's meant not, to be. Yeah, it's the I, universe saying, you're not meant to play that song anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I've heard that, and I, I get it. But for me, I would never have any songs if I didn't write them down. Because to me, they're fleeting moments. <clears> and if I don't grab them, right. in fact, I have a song that talks about this, about being up late at night trying to cap, you know, capture this moment. Because you know, if I go to bed, it's gone. You know, And um, so, um, so, yeah, to me, it's more of a, it's more of a building process. So I'll come up with something. I, I think this is something here, and I'll, and I'll build, and I'll change. And I'm, I write a lot. I've written a lot for different parts of my life. And so, to me, you know, writing is the art of rewriting. Yeah. And so oh, yeah. So I, I look at songwriting the same way. I, it's, it's like the song usually isn't done until I play it in front of an audience once, you know. And <laughs> yeah. So most of radio is writing. Most people right. don't think about that, but right. most of radio is yeah. writing. This isn't, but the yeah. rest of that stuff sure. I do yeah, is yeah, all yeah. writing. Sure. Um, what would your 14-year-old self think of who you are today? Well, I think in one way, my 14-year-old self would probably be, be kind of proud that I, I, I made a career out of a fine arts-ish field that I decided to do when I was young. You know, I actually did what I studied in college, which I don't know if I know anybody <laughs> who's done that. Uh, yeah, but, that's... But other than me that, uh, as far as musically, I, I never... You know, I, had a, I had a time in my life where I, I, I had a bunch of time, and I spent it really, really playing the guitar a lot, and, and I, I kind of made a quantum jump. So I think my 14-year-old 14 14 self would be shocked at the guitar, not saying I'm great, but I never thought I would be able to play like I can play now. So that would be a shock. And uh, other than that, I don't know. I think I think my 14-year-old self would be astounded by the ride I've had because it's been crazy. My my career ride and my personal life, and it's just no no one. I used to have students say, "Well, how can I have a career like yours?" I said, "You can't. Yeah, <laughs> no one can follow this. I mean, it's just it was just nuts. You know, right place at the right time, and you know, off we go." Oh, okay, uh, uh, three three people. You know, it's your turn three to do. Okay. your turn to participate in our multi level yeah. marketing. Well, okay, there's one person that I'm having a hard time, but has, has Roy Schneider been nominated? No, he's not. No. Or oh, if he that, has, we he didn't worm his way into the serendipity that makes. It well, work. he's if if it were not for Roy Schneider, the ACMA would not exist. Okay, 
Love uh, to have Roy on. He's a full-time... I've met Roy through golf, the, the radio show over Okay, the so he's a full-time gigging musician. Oh, boy, that makes it difficult. So, because um, he was going to be my, my number four. I, I assumed somebody would already have nominated him. We had you know, Roy on, on the radio way back when he was still a cartoonist. Yeah. Okay, you know what I'm going to do? Okay, and I'm sorry, Roy, if you're listening. But sorry, Roy. Some, we'll ask you anyway, Roy. Somebody's going to nominate Roy. No, I've, I'll just ask Roy. But, so you have now three. Okay, good. So thank you for that. Because the three... Uh, Roy, uh, by the way, you're invited. There it is. There <laughs> right. I did it. There you go, Roy. <laughs> Bring it on. And he will. Um, the, yeah, the, these are three local guys. They're all musicians. They're all incredible men and incredible musicians. And you probably... Wouldn't run into him if I don't nominate him. So that's why one is. Uh, well, I'm say probably that's not kind. You may not run into him. I don't go anywhere but my house and public yeah. in this radio station. Okay, so, so one is be guy, one of those three places. One is a guy named uh, a good friend of mine named Randy. These are all good friends of mine. Um, a guy named Randy Thomas. Okay, here in Fort Myers, he's a Grammy-winning songwriter. He was co-wrote the song "Butterfly Kisses." If you remember, it was real popular on the radio a number of years ago about a little girl growing up and anyway if you like... heard it you would know it you've, you I'm, i know you've heard it it was like everywhere when it was a hit um but yeah he's local randy thomas um then a, a mutual friend of randy's um and mine is is a guy named tom jackson and tom uh was a bass player in a band years ago but he's had a unique career um, he spent most of his life in nashville he has he bought a house down here and he he has a house in two places now, but Tom is a unique guy. He is he he is he produces musicians' live shows, a la the way normal producers produce people's recordings. He produces people's live shows. Okay, and he's had this niche in Nashville where he's kind of been the only guy who's done this for yeah. years and years. So he's like the guru. We know what it, think that's supposed to look like because yeah. What he does. So you know <laughs> when people like grab their mic and put their mic stand or walk out to the front of the stage or. He orchestrates that kind of stuff, yeah, and, yeah. and he has this unbelievable, like savant-like ability to take a song and say, you know, why don't we like have another chorus and that thing you do there? Let's put it at the beginning, and let's, you know, he like he'll rearrange people's songs. And I've seen him do this in a workshop, just with somebody that he just met playing a song that he's never heard before, and he played the song. It's like, oh, this gal is pretty good. That's a good song. And then he said he does his thing on it and has her do it the other way, and everybody's jaws on the floor huh. because it was yeah, just I like, like I liked wow, the sound of that. I liked it, but this is so much better. Anyway, that's what he does. Done for a living for decades, and he came down here, and we we met through mutual friends, and he's become a really good friend, and you will love talking to him. Fascinating guy, Tom Jackson. Yeah, if you want to check out Tom Jackson Productions uh, on the web, it tells, tells all about what he does. Um, he's trying to retire, but no, they won't let him retire. <laughs> My third one is the guy that gave me the ride in here today, um, Billy, um, Billy Birch. Uh, he and his wife um, are, a, are a singing duo, um, Billy Dean and Don. His wife is Don Birch, and they have plied the uh, country club circuit in Southwest Florida for, goodness, probably 15 years now. Okay. And... Uh, she kind of gets the attention because she's this really beautiful woman and she can do divas. I mean, any diva music she can sing. She can sing everything. They can do a whole show on any decade you want or any, I mean, it's, they're phenomenal musicians. Billy is the, the, the keyboard MIDI maestro makes the whole thing go. He's a killer sax player. 
Um, so, but like I said, Dawn kind of gets the attention because she's like this shining, glittery star. But Billy is an incredible musician and an incredible person and a good friend. And I think you'd enjoy talking to him. Okay. Well, that is, uh, you do your part in making sure oh, they'll, that they'll they, come. I'll they make check you. this out. That's <laughs> why we do that. Not really. I mean, it's also just because we like to, you know, talk Absolutely. about people who matter Absolutely. to people. Yeah. Okay, Richard, I'm going to do it this time. Um, so, Ooh, last I'm question. Excited. So, um, it's there's three choices. You have your three songs that we've listened to today. The Scorpion song. The you know. So imagine those three songs. Uh-huh. One you have to um, remove from existence. You're going to kill it. Oh you're my god! Take it off the island. Don't answer uh, yet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Don't answer yet. Yeah. Um, uh, one you're going to um, ensure that it lives in far far into the future as a song that, that is in the public consciousness. Oh my gosh! And then the this third is song, like trying to pick which of your children are going to be yes. thrown in and the volcano. This is, uh, and then the third the third song is the the only song you really ever get to listen to ever again. It becomes music for you. Of my three, yep. I've got those, gotta I got I got to categorize them. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Children. I did good, didn't I? Yeah. That's the children at the edge of the volcano. How can you do this to me? Um, I don't think I've heard you ask this question it's before. It's fairly recent. It's okay. Recent, yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, I'd say, uh, yeah. All right. I'll let Autumn go because I mean it's a beautiful love song, but the world is full of pretty love songs. Yeah, and he was so. an outlier on that album anyway. Yeah. So the that, album yeah. wouldn't really suffer for it. Right. Right. So I think Ed, Ed, Edgar <laughs> could retire just fine without that particular song. But uh, as much as I love it, yeah, I'll let that one go. And I have to say, "We Will Meet Again" has just become part of my soul and i i can't imagine life with that song not in it so and the other one you get to ensure that it's in people's consciousness in a thousand years yeah and that's the scorpion song yeah so i guess that would be it you know okay any final thoughts you did it well man i just appreciate being here i think this is just a really fun format i've in, i've enjoyed doing it i've enjoyed listening to the other folks who've been on it i intend to listen to many more of them because you've got a lot in the catalog we do we do you're uh, you're like 138 or something yeah like that. so uh just what a great thing i appreciate what you guys do i appreciate what everybody does here at the station um and I just, uh, I'm so glad that we have WGCU here in Southwest Florida. So uh, fun to be able to be a little part of it. Yeah, and we feel pretty lucky to be able to make it, you know. Yeah, um, that's what I feel about my job. It's just Yeah, uh, cheers to that. Okay, get your guitar out and we'll do your parting too. Oh, you know, we didn't get to say one thing. Oh, sure. I have to plug the new Trivi Art Center do it. Oh, at yeah, that's Show the, Point. It, we didn't get to that, but uh, there's a 40, it's going to be a 40, well, it is already a 42,000 square foot art center is being built at Shell Point. It's going to have a, it's, I don't know the number exactly between 400 and 450,000 square foot full on theater there. That's going to be an incredible venue. Everybody listening to the show is going to want to take in a music show there at some point because it's going to be really great. And I get to be the tech guy at the theater. That's my my new job. Well, then I'm going to pivot that and I'm going to say um, we've done uh, three or four on location recordings of Mm -hmm. this, one of which was at the Sanibel Island Writers Conference in front of a live audience. We had authors on. Mm -hmm. Let's make us getting on that stage for a crowd and recording an episode of this podcast. Happen. Absolutely, yeah. we got to okay. make that happen. Okay, thank well, I, you. I kind of will be in a position of influence. So. Wait, uh, when's it going to be know done? Construction, all that stuff. I know a guy. What I do you guys that. expect to open it? It's uh, there's been some delays, as you'd expect, because yeah. of COVID. But uh, it's sometime in December is when oh, it's supposed wow. to. Be. However, the theater, that, like the studios and the gallery, will be open with a gallery show. The theater probably won't see a show in there for some time That's okay. later, but the building should be open in uh, in December. It's going to be really spectacular. All right. Yeah. We'll be there. Okay, uh, start tuning up. Okay. A brand new Jag flew past my car. 
We make three song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chen Kui is co-creator and producer. Tara Calligan is online content producer and periodic host. Christoph is, is executive producer. Our theme song was created by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. For this week's parting tune, we are handing it off to Dan. Two legs to walk me around Two ears still hear glorious sound Two hands can work and play guitar Mind to think in a running car Two eyes can drink a sunset in And watch an eagle soar And gaze upon a loving smile How dare can I feel poor An old man at the corner stuck Holding a cardboard sign Amazing how an extra buck Made that sad face shine Oh, forgive me, Lord, for feeling sands And dotting my place in your plan So little can't and so much can I can't deny that I'm a rich man Those two legs still walk me around Two ears still hear glorious sound Hands can work and play guitar Mind to think in a running car Two eyes can drink a sunset in And watch an eagle soar And gaze upon a loving smile How dare can I feel poor So thank you for a sunny day A cool breeze and by the way I don't need to like a czar and I really do like my old car do want what I have and I'd have what I want is a real good place to start but what I'd like to get and keep is a truly grateful heart cause two legs still walk me around two ears still hear glorious sound two hands can work and play guitar Think in a running car, two eyes can drink a sunset in and watch an evil soul and gaze upon a loving smile. How dare can I feel poor? But a brand new jag flew past my car. Keep listening. Next time on Three Song Stories. Are we going to be discussing aliens in, in any moment now? I just want to just want to make sure. Are we going to Bigfoot? What about? Are we, we haven't talked about Bigfoot yet, so I'm just.